Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. This is an exhausted Fallon Ballard <laughs> here with the radiant Courtney K, who does not look exhausted at all. It's really quite unfair. <laughs> oh, this is the one day that I put makeup on because um, I got this new primer and setting Ooh. spray. Ooh. I'm learning how to do my makeup, so I actually kind of felt a little excited to put makeup on. I love it. Only tomorrow and every day to come, that won't happen. But today, (laughs) today it did. (laughs) I have to say, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, you do not look exhausted, my friend. You look beautiful, and we have thank you sunshine. Sunshine. Oh, it's giving me life, Mm -hmm. Um, which is good because I need it right now. (laughs) I need the energy. Fill me with your vitamin D. Um, but I don't know about you, but I have found myself, I probably shouldn't admit this because then I'm going to get super targeted, but like, I am so susceptible to TikTok beauty videos. Like they will mention, like one person will mention one product and I'm like, oh, well I have to buy this. Right. It's the worst, but also the best because I've got some like really good stuff that I actually really like, but I... I'm so easily influenced. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. My bank account would like me to stop. I know. That. <laughs> so every single like skincare or beauty product or organizing mm. product, mm-hmm. um, I always think it's going to change my entire life. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. And my daughter is actually huge. Like she loves watching the TikTok skincare and beauty <sighs> Um, she doesn't have TikTok, so she watches them on YouTube. Oh my god, but, that's amazing! Um, isn't that funny? Um, she found a loophole, but um, so she's the one who teaches me. Like, we'll go into Sephora or Target, and I'm like, okay, what do I need? She's like, okay, mom, this is the dupe for the Dior lip oil. It's only ten dollars. You're gonna need this. This is viral on TikTok. This primer, you're gonna need this. This setting spray is actually has excellent reviews. I'm not kidding you. And she takes, she's like my own beauty consultant. I'm very grateful because I've actually never known how to do my makeup until like recently, like the past couple years. Totally. And I owe it to my kid. (laughs) No, it's wild. Like I, so I have always had issues with my skin and I feel like I'm finally getting to the point where I like sort of know what to do for my skin but I never like realized like I hate wearing foundation but when I am doing events and things I always like you know I want to look presentable and I want it to last you know because I know I'm going to be up there for a while and all of that stuff and also I just feel the pressure of like I need to look presentable yeah um I'm saying, yeah, because I, I feel the same, not because I agree with you, <laughs> but because I, I can relate. Yeah, totally. But I always had issues with like my foundation getting all like mm-hmm. clumpy and weird. And then I saw a TikTok that was like, oh, by the way, you're applying your foundation wrong. And it like completely changed everything for me. I was like, oh my God, I've been doing this wrong the whole time. I just did this one simple thing and differently. And now it's totally fine. Right? And I have um really bad melasma that I get like super self-conscious about. But at this point, it's like I can't fully cover it up. It is what it is. But I try to sort of just like blend my skin tone a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, But 
in the past, I had done some book events where I put on like so much foundation um, to try to cover it up. And then after like two hours, I just feel like I need to wash my face. It gets so picky and gross. And so, um, yeah, finding products that like make me feel hydrated and dewy and not cakey or too dry. It's like, it actually is kind of life changing. (laughs) It is. It's It's wearable. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it only took me 40 years to figure out. Same. But also too, like, sorry, this is like a weird tangent that we're going off on. No, I I love this for us. Um, When I was like a teenager, I always had really bad acne and I feel like me too. The target of, for people with acne was like, do whatever you can to like dry Dry out your skin. And I still feel like my skin has not recovered from that. And it is amazing to me that I even still like have skin on my face with like (laughs) how many like scrubs and there's a stringence where it was like, oh, is it burning? That means it's working. And you're like, yeah, if your face isn't feeling like it's melting off and you're not doing it right. Yeah. That was so, yep. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm in a place where I like actually do kind things for my skin and it feels better. It doesn't always look better, but it always, it like feels better, um, which is nice. Yeah. Being able to like smile and you don't feel like your skin is cracking. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) Love that journey for us. I I feel like Kate Spencer with her podcast Forever 35 would be yes. super in on this conversation. Yes, they love. I always get good recommendations from them. Yeah, I need to start listening to that one more for yeah. the products that will change my life next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, am a consumer in the worst way. And honestly, I'm not mad about it. I know. You know, it's so funny. I'm sorry to like keep going down this road. But when I was young, it was all about like living in Southern California. Everybody like with white skin wanted to be, it was like a competition. Like before you mm-hmm. go back to school, to high school after summer break, whoever was the most tan wins. Like, I don't yep. know how, but I was just like the social yeah. norm for white kids. Like, Yeah, totally. If you, if you don't come back like, super, super tan, you lose. Anyway, so I would like literally, I can't believe I'm going to say this on the podcast, (laughs) melt butter and put it on my skin as tanning oil. Oh, Courtney. (laughs) So my mom told me this when, so like in the 70s, she's like, yeah, I would like put butter on as tanning oil. It was so terrible for my skin. I can't believe I did that. And in my teenage brain, I was like, that would Ooh, work. I should and try so that. I, I did it. Literally out there like a oh, buttered biscuit. <laughs> and I fried. Absolutely fried. And so now it's like I have, you know, premature aging in my face yeah. and all that because I just and tons of sunspots and also with like surfing and being at the beach growing up. <laughs> I was not like an avid surfer. Let's I'm not. <laughs> I like how I threw that in. Like, I was not good at surfing, but I tried. Okay. Which means that I went and, like, sat on a surfboard in the ocean and fell over a lot. Anyway, (laughs) I just think, like, dependent on where you live and, like, 
um, you know, like how much melanin you have in your skin and like so many different factors. Now I'm yeah. struggling. <laughs> yeah. So anything no. to like rehydrate my face and sun protection. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy that Gen Z seems to have discovered that the best thing you can do for your skin is wear sunscreen all the time. Oh my God. Yes. Um, yeah. So you guys are going to look amazing and I'm yeah. very happy for you. Well, just for you. And until then, thank you for providing us with serums. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for teaching me how to do my makeup at age 40. Yeah. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh my God. This was so funny. <laughs> what so if true you... though. <laughs> um, okay. So I know, so my kiddo and I have been on like a mean girls binge. Ugh, <laughs> we've watched it, it like, we've seen it a lot, but the past week we've watched it like two times. Amazing. I don't, it like never fails to just hit. <laughs> I was just talking about Mean Girls with somebody recently, and I was like, it's one of those that, like, if you were there in the moment, yeah. it just, it's a movie that hits, like, there's, like, a few, like, Legally Blonde. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That just, every time. And that's, like, I know I can watch them and be like, that's not the greatest, but it doesn't matter because yeah. <laughs> it was great I, yeah. in the moment. <laughs> the Parent Trap. I just saw... um I think it's like the Parker Knoll Chardonnay wine label. They have it on Amazon as like a t-shirt now. It's like That's the t-shirt amazing. that um, Hallie wears in, or yeah. not Hallie, because they switched. It's the other one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that Lindsay Lohan wears yeah. in the movie. It's on Amazon. I just saw it on Instagram. That's amazing. I have Maybe. to say, <laughs> I did enjoy that parent trap, but I grew up with the original parent trap. I did too. Yeah. And that one, I just, ugh, that's so good. That one's so good too. You, you can't beat that haircut that she had. Right? I wish it I was could fantastic. That off. It's iconic. <laughs> iconic. <laughs> but is. then in the Lohan parent trap, we have the Oreos with peanut butter, which was also life changing. That's true. <laughs> <sighs> See, that's maybe true. this is where that all started. <laughs> <laughs> If I could just have Oreos with peanut butter. Life will be. <laughs> All my problems will be solved. <laughs> Speaking of problems. That's good. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, we have Ava Wilder coming up on this episode and we definitely talk about Vanderpump Rules with her. Um, this was recorded a few weeks ago, so it's a little bit out of date, but still full of amazing opinions. Um, but since then, we have seen the final episode, the final reunion episode of this season. And I just, guys, I'm like, I'm actually, I'm conflicted because, so in the last like five minutes of this reunion, we get Raquel on her own. It like the little thing comes up that's like six days later. Like, so the re reunion has been filmed everything's done it's in the can and then Raquel apparently calls the producers and is like actually we lied about everything um I need to come back and do another interview whoa 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 yeah so Raquel sits down just her Tom Sandoval is not there and it's basically like 
yeah, we've totally lied about the timeline. And Holy like none shit. of this, nothing that she's revealing is like a surprise. Like everybody sort of knew that it was going on for longer and they were doing more than like what they were kind of copping to on the reunion. So that part wasn't a surprise. It was more the surprise that like she was kind of breaking away from him and coming clean because it was very clear on the reunion that like <laughs> you're yeah it was I very think, clear yeah that she like, agrees he, with you the cat yeah i mean that's very important it was very clear on the reunion that tom sandoval had like planned out like what he wanted to be their story you know and like this is what we're gonna say so that we don't look as bad and it's like that as narcissists sailed, do it's not <laughs> yeah. about apologizing it's about them yeah. looking bad yeah so then a lot of people have come out and been like you know raquel obviously was a bad person she shouldn't have done that but like clearly she is a victim also because you know tom is clearly manipulating her and all this stuff mm -hmm. And on the one hand, I can see that. And I definitely do believe that she has been manipulated to an extent. Sure. On the other hand, this was like a seven or eight month affair with your best friend's life partner. I'm not ready to just like give her a pass. <laughs> yeah. Like at some point, your uh, conscience would be yeah. like, okay, I'm calling it, you know? Yeah. Like you made that initial choice. Right. To yeah. betray your friend like that. Right. Like Tom wouldn't have been <clears throat> able to manipulate you if you hadn't willingly entered into this sort of relationship with him, which you knew was wrong from the very beginning. Like, yeah, like there's you, no way around that. No, you cross that line. Yeah. Even yeah. entertaining the idea Yes. It's like, yes. come on, that's yeah. your friend. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm still kind of processing. I'm very interested to see what happens with next season, like who comes back. Um, I, If Raquel actually cares about her mental health and other people's mental health, she will just not do the show again. But I don't, mm. I don't think that's going to happen. But it's interesting because she is on this whole, like, I'm, I'm going away to a mental health facility and I have things I need to work on and all this, but I'm like, if you come back to the show, that means nothing. That means you weren't actually doing that and taking it seriously because for sure, no mental health professional on the planet is going to be like, you know, it would be really great for you going back on reality TV with all these people. <laughs> That's not happening. Um, so we'll see how serious she was about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be seen. To be seen. But uh, we have an amazing episode. I am obsessed with Ava's new book, Will They or Won't They? It is so good. Um, and we just had a lovely conversation with her because she's a lovely human being. Yeah. Honestly, we're obsessed with Ava as much as we are obsessed with Ava's work. So True. <laughs> true, true. All right. We'll be right back with Ava Wilder. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you can't do that to me, Courtney. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. Um, Courtney and I are both super excited to have our guest with us today yes. because we love her dearly. Um, not just her amazing books, but um, she is an amazing human being. 
Ava Wilder is a contemporary romance writer. Her debut novel, How to Fake It in Hollywood, was released in 2022 and, in my personal opinion, was one of the best romances of the year. No one is more surprised than she is that her lifelong obsession with pop culture actually led to something useful. She currently lives in Oklahoma City with her husband and their toothless cat. Ava, welcome to the show. We're so excited. I'm so happy to be here. I'm only sweating a little bit. (laughs) I have been like giddy about seeing your face and talking to you. Like, you know, that walking on sunshine song. I feel like that's been like leading up to this day. (laughs) I love that so much. That's truly like the energy you want to feel when you're going on a podcast from the hosts. (laughs) We we both love you. Yes, so much. I'm so happy to be talking to you guys. Because Courtney, we've—I don't think we've ever like spoken face to face, but we've known you. I mean, you I were like one of my first publishing friends. Oh my god, that <laughs> that makes me feel so special. What the heck? Um, I remember. I don't remember. Ex- I think because we share an agent. Yes, we. So I we was, were like, I was your agent referral. That was it. You were yeah. my agent. Refer- I was like trying to remember pinpoint yeah. the exact moment we met. And mm-hmm. it was when I burst into your email being like, <laughs> hello, help. <laughs> and we have been best buds ever since. Yes, it's very beautiful. <laughs> it's very beautiful. <laughs> I love it. So amazing. Um, and I, we're going to jump into your new book in a minute, but I just cannot again reiterate enough how much I freaking loved how to fake it in Hollywood like I am obsessed with that book and I think one of the things that like just really impressed me so much and then I just loved about it so much is like it really felt like true to Hollywood life like I think there are so many celebrity romances that feel like a very sort of fluffy Mm -hmm. cupcake version of it and I was like oh no this is like what it's really like and I just oh it's just like so gritty and just fantastic and these characters are like a hot mess and I love them so much and it just is amazing thank you I mean a book that can make me cry like 10 times while also making me laugh while also having a mutual masturbation scene that is the hottest (laughs) fucking thing on the planet I don't even know what to tell you. Like, if you have not read this book, you are in for a major treat just in time for book two, which is, again, next level. Like, I have read part of it. Um, And then I had to pause because of deadlines and stuff. But I am already, like, salivating to finish it because I think I had to stop right after the uh, – wait, has this been disclosed? That scene? The scene? You know what scene I'm talking about. I don't even know what she. Oh the yeah, photo, the photo shoot. shoot. That's pretty early on in the book. I feel like that's not a spoiler. Ooh. Yes, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Oh, I guess you should tell everyone you. what what book two is about, Ava. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was an incredible intro. I'm like, I'm overwhelmed already. Um, <laughs> my voice cracks so much, like it's really uh, embarrassing. Like I don't know how to talk. Um, no, so good. my second book, Will There Won't They? It's another celebrity romance. It's also about actors. And it's about these two actors, Lila and Shane, who are on this TV show together. And um, 
they have been it's the show's been on for like almost 10 years and uh lila left after like a few i did not think about how i was gonna finish this <laughs> i should have thought more about how i was gonna pitch this um because i haven't really done yeah. any like press or anything for this yet so i'm like what is my pitch for this so they were they're on this tv show um where it's basically like they are the two stars and there's kind of like nobody else who's important um and she left a few seasons ago and he was just doing it alone and she is coming back to the show um but and they play these characters that everyone is that they're not a couple but everyone is sort of obsessed with like this like the show is really teasing them being a couple and now she's coming back and they're going to get together for real but um behind the scenes the two of them really don't get along because they kind of had like a secret fling in the first season and it ended badly um which is part of the reason why she ended up leaving originally so uh they're back together their characters are getting together everybody is paying a lot of attention to them and uh there's just like a lot of mess and (laughs) drama and chaos and maybe turns out they don't actually hate each other that much (laughs) i love it just inject it directly in my veins (laughs) I know. And it is the perfect setup for like, they have to act like they like each other. Excuse me. Now my voice is going. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. They have to act like (laughs) they have to act like they like each other and are super into each other when they like despise each other. It's so good. It's so good. And by despise each other, we mean they want to bang. Yes. They still want to bang. (laughs) unfortunately um but yeah i love it so much um so how did you come up with the idea for this book what was your inspiration so my initial inspiration was actually a conversation i had like several years ago about gilmore girls um (laughs) because allegedly uh the actors who played luke and lorelei did not really get along behind the scenes um I, I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, to, but I mean that's what it is. It's like because when people hear that, they're like, "What? No!" But um, so of course, you know, being a romance writer, it's like, "Oh, well, why didn't? Why don't they get along?" And I just want to say, I know nothing about what actually happened, <laughs> but like being a romance writer, you're like, that's a great situation where they're playing these characters that people are like obsessed with. They have this amazing chemistry. Like I think you know his role probably got elevated because of his chemistry with her um and then behind the scenes they're like oh you again (laughs) um so you know I sort of filed that away like you know obviously if it's a book the reason that they don't get along is because they used to be involved and it's like you can't escape your ex when you're literally working together um so that that (laughs) like this literally does not even happen when I'm like it's only when I'm on podcasts that my voice is cracking like I don't know if I speak differently in like an official context but um yeah so that was sort of the initial kind of seed of inspiration and then um once I ended up like developing it more and kind of looking into all of these other kind of there are like so many real life examples of of different incarnations of this of like people who didn't get along people who like did date and then broke up and then like had to continue working together it just felt like such uh you know oh and I I had like Courtney knows this I had like a lot of trouble with my second book and like finding a concept and I had a lot of false starts so this one was kind of like in my back pocket and like a lot of the problems with my other uh books was that 
um, there wasn't enough tension and there wasn't enough conflict. So I was kind of like, all right, you want tension, you want conflict, like this one, this one is going to have it baked into the premise. Like, I know that is not going to be an issue. So this was sort mm-hmm. of like a break glass in case of emergency idea, <laughs> because I didn't necessarily want to write like another actor's book again, because I didn't really want to be like, this is the only thing that I'm able mm-hmm. to do. But um, it felt like it ended up being pretty different than the first book, like vibes wise. Absolutely. I love that. And I think the um, starting your second book many times is a pretty common experience that I know Courtney and myself both been through. So I think that um, you're not alone in having to do that for sure. It's it's tough. I know we had many a time kicking and screaming in our text threads. (laughs) It's like a rite of passage. Yeah, (laughs) right. It all all ended up okay. Yeah, we're all on the other side of it and feeling good about it. Absolutely. And now you have this incredible book which the sexual tension is off the charts it is unreal and now I'm like wait were Luke and Lorelai like (laughs) did they just have a bunch of sexual tension (gasps) maybe I I don't I I truly don't know anything (laughs) about them and I even looked it up and I saw them being like we didn't hate each other like that was just all you know misconstrued whatever like so, you know, mm-hmm. but like those, those rumors kind of take on lives of their own and, and can be, can be a good inspiration. Amazing. I'm here for it. I'm always here for the celebrity drama. Yeah. I, that is like the one thing that you can count on as actors are always going to be really messy. They're going to be really dramatic. They're going to be sleeping with each other when they probably shouldn't be like, that's, <laughs> that's what makes them uh, fun to write about. Here I always wonder. It. I know. I always wonder, I don't, and I can't be the only person who's wondered this. (laughs) Maybe I am. But when actors have to like be in love and they're sleeping together, like on a show or in a movie, how do you not catch feelings? Like, unless that person is just a total creep in real life, but I don't know how, how do they cut that off? Like, I know a lot of actors will say like, oh, it's just a stage kiss or it's just, I'm like, is it though? Like, <laughs> really? Like, I, yeah, how do you I mean, not? I, no, I mean, <sighs> I think like I I agree with you, and there are so many examples of like co-stars yeah. getting together because they're like not able to compartmentalize. Um, but I think you know some people are, but like I definitely would never be able to date an actor because I would be like so jealous. <gasps> I know. Yeah, I know. Same. Like the people who are partners to actors are like the strongest people on earth. I think so. Yeah. Well, I think that's too, like a lot of times why actors date other actors is because maybe nobody really gets it. Like, unless you have experienced it for yourself, maybe that makes it a little bit easier to be like, well, I know that he's just acting because I've had to just act. And so Mm -hmm. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. God bless. (laughs) Well, and it would be hard to like not get swept away. Like, what if you're both playing this like you're both vampires, and like you could just get into that role? <laughs> like, well, especially if you like whole... cast specifically because you have like great chemistry with each other. It's like, oh, it's, it's tough. It's and it's weird. It's just like this weird kind of like gray area of unprofessionalism that like I'm glad that I don't have to work in but like I am happy to explore like through fiction 
Yeah. 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 And we thank you for it. You're doing a great service. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. I just, I pitched my editor like multiple celebrity romances and she was like, you can't, you can't write like five in a row. And I was like, why? <laughs> I'm I'm so excited for your celebrity romance, but I did also like pitch my agents like another because I I'm working on a not celebrity book for my next one, and I got really scared that I wasn't gonna be able to do it, and like pitched a celebrity romance to my agents, and they were like, maybe you need to like do something else, and I was like, I know you guys are right, but like it is it's fun, and it's mm-hmm. uh, I'm not gonna say it's easy, but it's um, easier than than what I am currently working on. <laughs> They're just so entertaining. They are. Yeah. There, you got all the drama you could ever want. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. I love it. All right. Um, So we have a couple of different writing things that we wanted to talk about with you. And the first one, I think, um, since we all debuted in the same year last year, I think we all have already kind of been through this and hopefully come through the other side of it. Um, But there's definitely Mm -hmm. this sort of like downturn maybe I think it usually comes like six to eight weeks after your first book releases where sort of like the hype has died down and you're not doing promo anymore and you you know your publisher has moved on to promoting all the other books that come after yours and uh there's like this little period that I think they call the post debut blues Mm -hmm. where it feels like Oh man, I had the same feeling kind of like after my wedding Yeah, where it's like, Mm -hmm. there's all this buildup to this major thing that's happening. And then when it's done, you kind of have this like emptiness of like, oh, it's over. And now what do I do? There should be like a post debut or post publishing honeymoon. (laughs) Like, Is that what the honeymoon is for after the wedding? Just to be like, ease into the... (laughs) Yeah, they should they should pay for Crash. us to go to like an island to just like scream yes. into the void for two weeks and then you can come back and, and be normal yes. again. Yes. 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 That's part of that's part of taking care of your authors. <laughs> I should be vacation. in every contract. Yeah. <laughs> I love like the Hallmark movies that where they're like, we're just gonna send you away to a tu- a villa in Tuscany where you can finish your manuscript without <laughs> peace and also this hot you know, brooding chef is going with you to cook all your meals. Like I literally saw a Hallmark movie like that. Where is this in publishing? Where (laughs) does this exist? Yeah. I feel like that, you know, they stopped doing that right before we got into it. We just just missed the cutoff. That was a pandemic thing. Yeah. I saw, um, I forget what this movie was called, but it came out not that long ago where it was like a writer and she like went with all of her friends on a cruise because she turned her manuscript in early. And so her editor was like, well, we'll send you on a cruise because your book was early. And I was like, I turned my book in early. Where's my cruise? Where's my cruise? Oh man. I had, I had something where for my second book, I like, for some reason had just like internalized my deadline completely wrong and I was like I'm doing so great I finished my book right on time and then I was like maybe I should go back and look and I was like two weeks late turning it in (laughs) oh no but but it was fine but I was like damn it 
God, not getting a cruise this time. Um, but yes, post debut blues. I truly feel like I only came out of them like a month ago. <laughs> that's fair. Like I was just going to say that's fair. Yeah. I'm glad that we're having this conversation now and not like, you know, two months ago where I was fully still like at the bottom of the pit. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm never writing again. Like I'm, you know, I'm done. I hate this. Like, mm. and then the, like the clouds parted finally. And I'm like, I think I don't know. I don't really know what it was, but it is like, it really just messes with your head so much, especially coming out, like coming up to your debut where it's like, it's a clean slate. You don't know what's going to happen every day. You're like, my book is going to be the biggest book that ever happened, or it's going to be like the worst flop that's ever been like based on whatever happens that day. And then like, and then it comes out and it's kind of like, you are faced with the reality of the situation which is probably like somewhere in the middle and then you kind of just have to be like okay like I need to recalibrate the way mm-hmm. that I am thinking about all of this the way that like I'm thinking about like my career going forward it's just like it's a lot it's a lot to kind of to kind of keep in in your little head yeah it really yeah. is and I think coupling with that mm-hmm. the fact that most of us who are on this sort of like one book a year, you know, publishing timeline, it's like, you're going through all of this stuff, like dealing with processing your debut, but then at the same time, you know, you're trying to get book two done. And, you know, the pressures with book two are totally different than the pressures with book one. And it just, it adds up to really be a bit of a mind fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I like I'm trying to remember, I think like my deadline was like the same month as my when my first book came out, like for my first draft. And I was like, uh, it was incredibly difficult to like to not feel like your second book is like a response to what people didn't like about the first Mm. one, which is like not the way to do it. Um, But it's like, it's so hard once you have all of those voices, like your debut is really the first or the only time that you're not the only time, the last time that you're not going to be writing with like, sort of understanding ahead of time what people are not going to like about it. And it's so hard to, to be creative, like, and just like, with all of those voices in your head. um, You know, it's very like, it feels very paralyzing. Um. Also, I remember feeling like I didn't have much time to celebrate the release of debut because everything was jam-packed as far as like put doing a launch, right? And it's so joyful and it was it was so amazing, but I remember thinking like, okay, I only have this weekend and then I have to get right back to like being busy because I have to turn in this deadline. And I was just talking to friends about that, how it seems like, especially with debut, especially if you have a two book contract, um, there's not a lot of breathing room, if any, like to enjoy. And this time releasing book two, I don't have a contract anymore. I have fulfilled my contract completely. So going to events is a very different feeling. Like It's like, oh, wow, I can, I can enjoy this and not 
like freak out about running behind on my deadline when I get home. And I think going into a future contract, I'll try to remember this, but also like with debut, there's no sense of what to expect at all, like with events, with anything. So you're just going and then, I don't know. But one thing I'm glad that I did was I set up a call with my agent and my editor, maybe like six weeks after um, pub date, just to talk about what was going to come next and what the expectations were of me, um, which was basically just like, write your next book. (laughs) Keep keep revising. That's always the answer. (laughs) That was the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep revising. Um, But they were so kind and like, you're doing great. Don't worry about sales numbers. You know, you already did everything you needed to do. Um, And it was like this little pep talk, which was beautiful. And I I really, um, you know, even if you don't have another contract coming up, I would highly recommend just planning a call with your agent, even just to talk about next steps, because it is a very untethered feeling um, post-launch. And I think that is part of what contributes to that crash, feeling yeah. a little yeah. bit untethered and, and having a talk like that, even if it's with writing friends or your agent or somebody about, you know, next steps or, you know, it's helpful. It was helpful for me. That's smart. Yeah. And I, I feel like I feel similarly to you where like I am not really, I think, on like the book a year track anymore because like after I turned in my second yeah. book, I basically just did not write at all for like eight months, which Me is too. what I needed yeah. to do. And Burnout um, is real. <laughs> and, yes. And so it feels like the release of this, like I'm really so much more focused on it than I was um for the last one, because it did feel like I was sort of splitting my brain space with drafting the second book. Um, But then also because like, you know, there was a period where I was like, well, maybe I just am going to write two books and that's it. Where it was like, okay, well, this release is like, this needs to be a big deal because it might be like the last one or at least the last one for a while. So like, there's also that kind of pressure to kind of like cram in like everything Mm. I ever wanted to do for a book launch um, for this one. Um, And also like, you know, being happy that I sort of took that time off, but also like feeling kind of sad that I will probably, unless something really wild happens, I probably will not have a book out next year. And also like feeling, you know, you kind of have to, you have to compromise somewhere. Um, which is, you know, different. Everyone's needs are are different for whatever that means. I'm on the same exact page as you. Yeah. 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 I think that's one of the good things about that sort of post debut time is it really is your first chance to like look inward and be like, okay, so this is what worked for me and this is what didn't. And there's just so much that you don't know until you're actually living it and going through it, going through it. And that sort of like book one to book two transition is really the first time that you have the chance to be like, this is what I want to do differently in the future. This is what I need to do differently in the future. And really kind of have that awareness about what's going to work for you. Do you think too, that a post event or post big thing crash 
is almost like our brain's way of saying, okay, now you need to rest (laughs) because there's all this buildup and then like this big letdown. And like, is that letdown your body being like, okay, it's blanket fort time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, you know, you can't sustain that level of like adrenaline and just like laser focus on one thing forever. Like eventually there's, there has to be a come down. Yeah. And like, maybe it's just a natural part of the process. Yeah. Your body gets it. I was uh, a teacher for eight years and I used to always get sick the first week of summer break. And it was just like, you just hit that moment where you're like, your, your body's like, okay, well, I've been holding this in for, you know, nine (laughs) months. So now here you go. You get to have this illness for a week, but it's that same kind of thing where it's like, like, you know, you just have to keep pushing through. And then when you get to that moment where you're like, okay, I'm done pushing through, then there's like that release. Wow. Maybe people can like prepare for it by having like their favorite snacks and movies queued up and like, (laughs) I don't know. Buy yourself a cozy new blanket. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that's where like the, the just write the next book advice, which is good advice, but it's also like, you need to listen to yourself if like, because sometimes just like grinding through and, and jumping into the next thing is not, it's not what you need. And it's going to make you like resent doing it, resent, like, you know, it's important to like have the joy in it because that's really like all we have and like all we can control Mm -hmm. is like the joy of creating something. And if like, if that's not there, like you can't really force it. And really like the only cure is, is time and like really taking care of yourself, which is hard. It's hard to hear, but it's the, it's the truth. Yeah. I think it was, um, JC Peterson who said she planned a vacation for like six weeks after her book launch. And I was like, Oh, that is genius. And I might need to do that next time. Yeah. Just like go sit on a beach somewhere and drink cocktails. Got to get it written into our next contracts. Yes. Scream into the void island. Here we come. (laughs) Oh my God. Can you just imagine though? Because you'd be with like, you know, however 10 to 20 other people who all had books come out on the same days. Like a resort full of burnt out writers. (laughs) I love this so much. And I feel like we could have name tags where like it on one side, it'll say like, don't talk to me right now. Yeah. And then you could flip it over and be like, okay, now you can talk okay, I'm to me. Ready. Yeah. <laughs> Just so there's some and like it's good. It's good because like other writers know what not to ask. Like after your book comes. <laughs> <laughs> They're not gonna be like, so how are your sales? sales, sales, sales. <laughs> yeah. When's the next one? Because <laughs> oh that's God. really the only people you want to be around, like <laughs> at that at that stage when everything feels a little a little sensitive. Yes. Guys, I feel like this is like a million dollar idea in the making. <laughs> All we need is the money to invest in a private island. It's and like, you can... know, people do writing retreats. This is like an anti-writing retreat yes. for writers. And oh that's, important. that's an important part of the process. Ava, you have just <laughs> struck gold. An anti-writing retreat? That's a money maker right there. Like you're not allowed, like no laptops allowed in the building. Mm -mm. If you even think about a character, you're kicked out. You're on the first plane (laughs) home. (laughs) See you with a notebook. You're banned. No. (laughs) Is that your notes app open? No. (laughs) No technology allowed. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Late, well, lately, whenever the idea of a writing retreat comes up in a group chat or something, I'm like, what about a reading retreat or an <laughs> eating retreat? <laughs> like, I feel like if I go on vacation somewhere, I literally don't want to think about writing. <laughs> well, I did go on a writing retreat in, in February, which was awesome. And, yes, they are you know, awesome. I had, we, had, we had planned it like very far in advance. So I was like, I don't really know what my relationship with writing is going to be at this point. But like, and I, I didn't write at all. I did like some sort of brainstorming and bouncing ideas around, but it was like mm. so, and like other people wrote, but it for me, it was so nice just to like, relax and like hang out with other writers and really just you know it was very like refilling the cup even if I was Yay. not being productive so I I'm like this idea it does work yeah you use I it for it. what you need yeah yeah I love that all right um so let's talk about a fun writing thing because you have this on your little info sheet and it's one of my absolute favorite things to do um if I could write a book of just all dialogue, I would be here for that. Yeah. Like everybody is always like, I love your text messages. I love the Slack combos. And I'm like, yeah, that's because I don't yes. have to do anything other than write the dialogue. And that's what I'm here for. And I will do that as much as humanly possible. Um, so I know that it's also something that you enjoy. So can you kind of, I mean, I don't know if you want to walk us through like, why you like it so much or just how it comes easily to you or sort of like how you landed on that as like one of your favorite parts? Um, yeah, I mean, so I like, I don't really have like a fiction writing background, but I do have some like very little, I don't want to overstate the amount of experience I have, but I do sort of come from like a screenwriting, playwriting background. So that uh, was where like a lot of my writing experience was and those are basically like all dialogue so like when I was like I want to write a book that was the part where I was like okay I know I can do this part I don't know if I can write like all the other parts in between but I feel like the dialogue is something um, that I'll be able to do and I like I don't know it's like coming from prioritizing it as like the way that you get to know your characters it almost felt like easy to write a book because it was like oh you can just say what they're thinking you know <laughs> like you don't have to like make it clear through the subtext of what they are saying because like in in movies and plays you can't hear their thoughts like really the only way to communicate all the information about your characters is through how they how they talk and what they say and what they don't say and how they say it and and all of that stuff so um so yeah, dialogue is very fun for me to write. And I am like, I will be in there like, you know, moving like butts and not butts, you know, but like little, I'll be moving little <laughs> words. I'm moving butts also, but not in the dialogue. It depends on the scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like taking out like tiny little words and like, cause, cause also like ha uh, having your dialogue read aloud is like such a different experience. Like and is so useful um, because I think that is like a lot of times that is what, you know, quote unquote, bad dialogue is like, no one would ever actually say this. So if you like have the chance to have people like read your dialogue aloud, even once it's like, Oh, okay. Now, like, it's so helpful to just kind of get a sense of like, um, like something that maybe doesn't read stilted on the page, like will sound stilted when someone says it. Um, so that's something like rhythm, especially 
um, is something that I try to pay a lot of attention to. That's interesting. I love that. So do you like read it out loud to yourself or do you put it through like a voice app? <laughs> um, at this point I don't, but I do like, I really kind of am like, like I'm directing a movie in my head and am like at this point I, I can sort of hear it myself without like having to have people read it. But um, sorry, I, like my, <laughs> my texts are going off and I'm getting like the dings in my ears. Um <laughs> you're fine we can't hear um it. yeah okay um so I don't I don't read it out loud but I do try to write it as if it would be read out loud mm. and like thinking that. a lot about um so I took in college I took this playwriting class that really like transformed the way that I like approach dialogue still um even though like in a book dialogue functions differently than it does in like a play or a screenplay um and she had us do these two exercises. One was where we had to take one of the plays we studied and write like a like a missing scene from it. So you really had to like pay so much attention to like what the playwright was doing in terms of like vocabulary and like cadence and and all of these like little details about like how all of the characters talk. And then she also had us like go to a coffee shop and like eavesdrop on people and like try to exactly transcribe what people were saying. Because, like, playwriting is obviously, like, very stylized dialogue, and you also don't want your dialogue to sound, like, exactly the way that people talk in real life, because there's a lot of filler words, there's tangents, but, like, you can kind of pick and choose bits and pieces of that stuff to make it feel more real, and so, like, the combination of those two things, like, really had, uh, like, a big impact on the way that I, like, approach my dialogue. I actually took a creative writing course where we had to do the same thing. And I remember It's such being, a good exercise. It is. And I remember being at a garage sale <laughs> and having to write down exactly what people were saying. And it was so funny. <clears throat> um, my dad was like having this garage sale. I didn't like go to a random garage sale. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like trying to not be obvious that I'm copying people's words. Um, but similar to what you said, I remember the professor saying, you know, when you write the text down, it becomes like an idealized form of natural conversation. Like you're not going to include every single thing. And sometimes, and what I often do when I'm drafting is I say people's names too often, or I use nicknames too often. It's like, okay, but how often do you really say somebody's name when you're talking to them in real life? Not often. Um, right. and so I always have to go back and filter those out, but yeah, that's a really fun exercise and one I would like to do again. <laughs> and I also like, so for my day job, I'm a video editor and I do a lot of like documentary type work. So I'm working with a lot of transcripts and, and seeing these sort of written out, like, and those are people like, you know, an interview is like a little bit different, but like, I feel like that is, um, something where a lot of times, like writers where like otherwise their dialogue will be good but once they have their characters kind of like telling a long story about themselves it it mm. it doesn't feel as natural so like being able to see that the way that people are sort of talk uh kind of extemporaneously about themselves the way they tell a story all of that kind of stuff is like super helpful uh also to kind of be experiencing oh wow i wonder if you could even um like walk like close your eyes as you walk like listen to a documentary or something 
well, might have so a similar. Doc, so, so, but again, it's like, cause when, when I'm editing, you want to like make it a much cleaner kind of condensed version of them telling that story. Like you do a lot of moving things around and cutting out kind of extraneous like tangents. And oh. um, sometimes people will say the same thing kind of, you know, so it's like, you don't, again, it's like the, like a documentary would be like the book version of that, you know, <laughs> but mm. it's still useful to see it in, in kind of like it's raw form. Um, for me, for me at least. That's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. I'm like, do I go to a coffee shop today? <laughs> you <Yes>. should. <laughs> and you know what? Even if it, you'll probably hear some juicy gossip, even if, uh, I'm even if it's not a useful exercise. Just All like right. look busy, but really you're like writing everybody's <laughs> stuff down. <laughs> yeah, so you, you have, never know you when you're going to get a good idea. Key about it. <laughs> yeah. Low key. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> speaking of juicy gossip. Here we go. <laughs> Guys, I'm so excited. <laughs> I have been screaming about Vanderpump Rules to anyone who will listen, and no one in my life watches the show. And so, Ava, I am so happy to have you here today. Um, I'm so first, happy we to hear say, about this. <laughs> we should say, just timing-wise, so when we are recording this episode, I think there's still two episodes of the regular season and then we have not seen any of the reunion yet. So we're still, we still got some time. Um, so that's where we are in the scandal of it all. Um, <laughs> but I, as some listeners know, have been obsessed with this whole thing since it went down. I will say too that I, I don't know about your background with the show, but I've been watching since the very beginning. And I, I used to work in a restaurant. So as soon as that like first episode aired, I was like, oh yes, this is exactly what happens when you are working in a restaurant. <laughs> like it is, it's like that same celebrity thing. Everybody's hooking up with each other. They're all friends, but also sleeping with each other's boyfriends. And, you know, <laughs> it's just messy all the time. And that's what makes it like such, such good reality TV. Um, um, I just want to say that I worked at Hollister and so I can relate. <laughs> that's all same thing <laughs> yeah it's, Thank you. it's similar <laughs> so please tell me all your thoughts I want to hear everything let's talk it all out okay I'm excited <laughs> because this has truly been like the scandal that keeps on giving yes. um so I I started watching probably like 2016 2017 so I wasn't watching from the very beginning but I have been watching for quite some time um and yeah, I feel like this is like one of the biggest reality TV show things that has ever happened. And like it needed to happen because I was kind of like, you know, they're sort of spinning their wheels. Uh, like there's not really any drama, but like everyone's breaking up. Everyone's cheating on each other. It's like it's just like vintage Vanderpump rules again. And what I really like about this is that like. I think a lot of times um, reality shows kind of suffer from like the social media aspect where like if you're following the cast, you kind of know what's going to happen before it happens. Um, so then when you watch it, you're kind of like, eh, I already knew this. But this like this reveal and knowing this watching these last few episodes has made it so like such a bonkers watching experience. Like my jaw has been on the floor every episode like just knowing knowing everything that's about to happen knowing what is currently happening that they don't know <laughs> like it's just it feels like you know the first like because 
part of the reason the first couple seasons were so good is they both had like they had big reveals like this where the first season is so like the storyline of the first season is Stasi being like, I think Jax cheated on me and everyone being like, no, he didn't. And then at the end, Jax is like, oh, yes, actually, I did. And we're like, oh, my God. And then in the second season, it's like, did Jax and Kristen sleep together? And they're denying it the whole time. <laughs> and so this is like, you know, before the episodes even air. <laughs> so it's like, it's just, it's incredible. It's like, it's really one of the few things that reality has over like scripted TV is this kind of like, it's I don't know it's just like it's it's bigger than the show yeah yeah it's just been so absolutely fascinating to watch a reality tv show through this totally separate lens like we've never really had this experience before where you know this big thing is coming and you can now watch these episodes that are filmed before we knew all this thing is coming and like see the seeds that have been planted along the way and I think this last episode Oh my god. It's just like I mean, I just had so many moments where I was just like, oh my god, oh my god, where like I mean, first of all, poor Ariana, who is in her confessionals just being like, Raquel is just such a great, loyal friend. And I'm just like I know, and, and also being like, I'm going through the worst time of my life right now. Like yes. I'm truly on the edge. I'm like, I hate this for you. And like I, I just I really don't understand Raquel at all. Like I really hope that we get some insight in the reunion because it's like having her be like, "You guys are my best friends. I'm so grateful that you're in my life." It's like, what what's not clicking right now that like you are going to lose all of these people that you like are saying are so important to you? It's just, and I was like a Raquel defender. <laughs> like I felt before this, I because like. I sort of sympathize with her coming into this like very intense situation, having someone like Lala gunning for her from day one seems terrifying. I like also probably would be like, um, okay, well, I don't like, you know, the way that she, <laughs> like, uh, and like there was that scene, you know, maybe a couple seasons ago where she's like trying to give a toast and she like is too <laughs> nervous. And, and like, I was like, I understand that so much. Like, you know, you could tell like Raquel, uh, not Raquel, Lala is like shooting daggers at her. And it's like, ugh, that seems like the worst situation. It's like, no, actually she is like so twisted. I like, I, I don't know. We haven't had a character like her on a show. Yes. Like maybe ever. Yeah, like Tom cheating on Ariana is not shocking in any capacity at no. all, if you've watched the show even a little bit. But yeah, to watch Raquel just, I mean, it's almost like borderline sociopathic. <gasps> and we got that like little preview, um, I don't know if you saw it online, of the, the last the season. episode. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> where she's like, Raquel and Tom are sitting on the couch after this has all been revealed and she's like laughing and she's like, well, I guess it didn't turn out how we thought it was going to. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like that is, that is like it's not a human being <laughs> reaction. And like, wait, I forgot what I was going to, there was something, there was something, but doesn't matter but the other It'll thing is like the kind of the domino effect of like Raquel only being on the show in the first place because Tom cheated on Kristen with Ariana so then he so then she started dating James so then he started dating Raquel it's like a perfect circle of yes of cheating of cheating yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, but it really is. And a lot of people online on Twitter, especially are like, well, you know, Ariana like hooked up with Tom when he was with Kristen. So she deserves it. And I'm like, no, no. this is not the same. This thing is way worse. Yeah. At all. Like not even close. I also will say too. So I have been going back. I went and started Vanderpump at the beginning and I have been watching and I'm on season three right now. And I will say in season three, both Katie and Ariana should have left their toms in the dust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are toms. trash human beings, like, from the beginning. Like, they are terrible, awful partners. <sighs> and not that either of them deserves anything that has happened to them. But also, I'm like, ladies. <laughs> and this was on TV for you to see and watch mm-hmm. it back. Like, this should have ended years ago. Yeah. It's, it's bad. (laughs) And like, oh, I remember what I was going to say, which was in the confessional where Ariana is like, I don't think anything happened between Raquel and Tom because I don't think Raquel would do that to me. Not, I don't think Tom would do that to me. I don't think Raquel would do that. (laughs) Like she knows she, you know, he just like, and now him like going around with his karaoke band that he's like paying for. It's so, (laughs) it's so sad. Like every every clip and like, I get it. Like if I had a lot of money to burn, honestly, I could see myself doing something like that where I'm like, (laughs) I'm hiring a 10 piece band. I'm going to curate the, like my favorite karaoke songs and I'm going to make like people come and watch me sing them. But um, yeah, it's, it, it would be a very sad thing for me to do. (laughs) <laughs> but he doesn't have money to burn. That's the thing, because no. he has invested all of this money in his dumb restaurant that's now going to fail because he's a trash human being. And also, he invested $250,000 of his parents' retirement money into this <gasps> trash restaurant. So rather than paying your stupid band, you should be paying your parents back the money that they gave you because yes. they're well, obviously he's... not going to recoup that investment. No, he's not making any good decisions right now Courtney have you ever have you ever seen the show or I'm really enjoying your like your reactions no. to this no that's why I was so glad that you wanted to talk about it because okay. I feel so bad when Fallon talks to me because all I can give are like reactions I can't give any feedback but I it's really still good. You, you are making me want to watch the show it's really like one of the best reality shows ever made I think like and it's it is because they're all like genuine friends who have all of these like the like the mess even though like obviously there is like some producer like meddling and whatever but it's like the mess feels realer than it does on like most other shows where they're kind of just like throwing a bunch of people together and like here you guys fight like this is this is like real these people have real history and they're really screwing each other over and it's like it's absolutely bonkers do you think that some people like just become a character like because they know they're being watched and maybe they just start embodying this character maybe subconsciously and just evolve um yes but I also think that like Tom specifically maybe has like the wrong image of himself of like who of who (laughs) his character is Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say though, I I do feel like that's true with a lot of reality shows. Like I am a big Bravo person. I watch all the housewives. And you can definitely tell when the housewives have like gotten it and like yeah. it all kind of like clicks into place and they start producing themselves. Like you see that I think with most of them. But I think what is so interesting about Vanderpump is that 
they're still just as messy as they were 10 years ago. And it's like, yes, you've seen like growth in that they've gotten married or bought houses or, mm. you know, sort of take it, had, had kids. They've like taken these like next life steps, but I, I don't, feel like there's been a lot of growth and maturity yeah. in like how they relate to people and in their relationships. And that's what keeps it so interesting, especially now, like going back and watching from the beginning, it's like, has Tom Schwartz changed at all? No, no. Well, I think He's the women have grown, but I don't think any of the men have grown. And I think that's what yes. we're seeing now with all of these like long-term relationships imploding. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just fascinating. It's a fascinating study in human behavior. And oh, the other thing about last week's episode that I just was like, is this actually happening right now? Where, so they're at the event at TomTom and like Lala is telling Ariana like, hey, I was at this party and Tom Sandoval and Raquel were both there. And so Ariana like, finds out that her grandmother passed away while her yes. oh boyfriend of 10 years is at this party. And she like calls him and is like, hi, my grandma just died. And instead of him like leaving and coming home, he just stays at this party with the girl that he's already, you know, having an affair with. And then he lies to her and is like, oh, it was like a holiday. I couldn't oh, get a ride yeah, I or whatever. Yeah. And then confronted with his lies to his face. And he's just kind of like, well, I don't know. Like, yeah. God. It was just, ugh. Lalo was like, no, that's not what happened. And he was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe that's like, not Like, he truly had nothing to say. It's like, <laughs> and like, and you could tell because, like, I think what we're seeing is that, like, Tom and Ariana, I think, like, have had relationship problems, but they have wanted to kind of keep it in the background and not have them have it be on the show. And, like, and even there, Ariana was like, well, you know, people are going to be saying that I look like an idiot. Like, she is thinking about that. Yeah. That, like, this kind of dysfunction is now sort of out in the open the way that it hasn't been because, like, other relationships on the show have been way more dysfunctional. So yeah. I'm glad she's out of there. Yeah, I mean, good for her. She seems to be living her best life yeah. at this point in time. I'm not sure how much of it is, like, I want this to all be, like, real and genuine for her, that she has, like, totally moved on and is starting this fabulous <laughs> new thing. I feel like it's probably going to catch up to her at some point. Um, but I I just, I, when I remember the week they were filming the reunion, I was like, can we like live stream this? I know. Like, I will sit in front of my TV for 12 hours. I've heard it's going to be like four parts. Like, I really think they're going to give us like, <sighs> as much as they can. They better. And it I would know be that stupid Andy, not to. Like, oh, that's yeah. what everyone wants. Andy hmm. did one-on-ones with like all of them, all the, the big three. <laughs> um <laughs> And then I just, but I'm most excited for the whole cast coming together because I just can't wait to see everybody yeah. just tear Tom a new one. And I just, what, what I don't understand, and this is to me why the behavior borders on sociopathic from both of them, is that even if you don't feel sorry for what you did, the only correct response in this situation is to profusely apologize for your actions. Like, even if you are only coming at this from like a business, you know, PR perspective, like it's the only correct response. And neither of them 
can do it. Like, no. they just, like, can't bring themselves to just be like, I really fucked up. I'm so sorry. How hard is that? Like, I don't get it. I don't know. I think, you know, in their heads, they have to be, like, somehow in the right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I Obviously, I cannot fathom what either of them are thinking <laughs> to to do any of this. But, it's but wild. I'm, I'm glad... Not that I'm glad that they're doing it because I do feel bad for the real the real human pain involved. But as a, as a reality TV viewer who loves mess, uh, you know <laughs> it's been it's been fun to follow. Um, okay, well we might have to do like an Instagram live like after we have seen all of the reunion episodes so that we can we can really yes. hash it out. I would love that. <laughs> Is it even possible to catch up at this point if you haven't watched yes. it? Yes yeah totally. how many seasons are there <laughs> i mean i would say you don't even need okay if you really wanted to you could do like seasons one two and three that's like gonna give you like a good foundation of yeah. like where we are right now with like the main players when does when does raquel come in though oh raquel doesn't come in till later but she comes in in the in the seasons that i don't find as good very interesting yeah like once they're all like kind of married and living together in their houses that they bought. There's like a couple seasons that I'm like, these are not that great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say watch the first few seasons. Just watch, just watch like 30 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you're not enjoying it, you can stop. <laughs> oh my God. It sounds amazing. <laughs> you don't have anything else going on, right? <laughs> I'll just have them on in the background all the time. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. There you go. I mean, you pretty much can do that. Yeah. I will say, like, what is so amazing about that first season is it really is like the reveal that like we've never had anything like that. Yeah. Where literally every single person is like, Stassi, you suck. I hate you. And that was like her friend. And we're also like, yeah, Stassi does suck. Like, yeah. <laughs> as a viewer, you're like all right you know you're making good points but it's like no actually she was right and that's it's like yeah the whole show is like that meme that's like the worst person you know just made a great point like that's that's <laughs> yeah. the enjoyment of watching the show yeah yeah and you just have to know going in that for the most part I won't say all of them but the majority of them are just terrible people and yeah. you just have to accept them for who they are mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, if you, we do, if you do uh, go on this journey, please update us. <laughs> I really oh, I hope I will. you do. <laughs> I need some, I need some, like, I need to consume some drama. I think it would be fun. <laughs> Is that yeah. sad? Yeah. Saying that about well, people's I'm, real lives. I'm sorry, for, I'm sorry no. for spoiling the first two seasons. <laughs> but again, no, that's no. what makes it, that's what makes it rewatchable is when you watch it knowing that it's like a totally different experience. So yeah. it's, it's still enjoyable. Yeah, I also do think, honestly, you could jump in at the beginning of this season, and even though you don't have the history, it's still going to be entertaining. My vote is still start from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, if you don't have the 30 hours. No, it's true, though. Like, my my sister-in-law's boyfriend, like, walked by while I was watching it, and, like, a recent episode, and he was like, what is this? Like, he was sucked in immediately, so, with no context, and I was like, yeah, that's right. Welcome to your nightmares. me. Let me educate you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. I mean, I could talk about this for another hour. (laughs) I know. Forget writing. 
Let's start a Vanderpump Rules podcast. Dude. Okay. Maybe we should do a Vanderpump Rules like rewatch podcast. Like oh, go back man. to the beginning and like talk about each episode. All oh my God. <laughs> Again, okay. because we don't have enough to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let's, add, no. let's add another podcast. Not at all. I mean, Courtney, if you do decide that you are going to watch them, I'm just saying, you know, we could have mini episode podcast series about that if you with Ava to. the three of us yes like I'm ready um, I love I have it. a lot of opinions clearly <laughs> okay, all right well stay tuned for that um okay we have taken up a lot of your time before we go can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on the internets um yes right now i'm only on instagram unfortunately i miss twitter so much but it's just not a good place to be anymore um and i'm i'm there at ava wilder writes and you can find i guess all the other like my website and all my other information is is on there um so yeah that's where i am all the time i'm on there constantly (laughs) and when this episode releases it will be your one year anniversary for how to fake it in hollywood so yes. happy anniversary it's Thank amazing you. and i can't it. believe it i know a year i know it feels like i i don't know i think because i like lost so many months in sort of the fog <laughs> it's like yeah. what, what month is it but yeah yeah it's really exciting yeah yeah um and when does will they or won't they release it releases on June 27th, and I think it is out on the 6th in the UK. So it comes out a little bit earlier over there. Oh, yay. Yeah. And do you Let's have see. events you'll be doing? I do. That you know I'm of doing like a mini book tour, which I'm really excited about. Um, I think I'm going to like get to officially announce it this week, um, which will be in the past when this episode comes <laughs> out. But I'm doing events. I'm doing my launch event in OKC, which is where I live. I'm doing, and that's on the 27th. On the 29th, I'm doing an event in Tulsa. And then on July 6th, I'm going to be in New York City at Books Are Magic. On the 7th of July, I'm going to be in D.C. at East City Bookshop. And did I say that? Is that what it's called? East City Bookshop? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, sometimes like my brain and my mouth are just like completely disconnected. (laughs) Um, And then on the 22nd, I'm going to be at the Ripped Bodice and I have some amazing conversation partners i'm super excited like i i i like cannot believe i'm this excited to like be public speaking <laughs> like honestly. well it's gonna be amazing and then make sure you follow ava on instagram so you can keep up with all those dates and locations because it's gonna be awesome um and go buy the book pre-order yes. it get it put it in your eye holes get it in your eye holes or your ear holes or your ear holes whichever holes you like to use for books (laughs) oh goodness and we do love to end the show on a sexual innuendo so (laughs) cool we're ahead thank you everyone so much for listening and we'll see you next week Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at 
court underscore K, K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.